to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a new group every single time we do a show this time of year. Derek Van Riper, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston all here with you on this Tuesday. Thank you, uh, Monday night playoff game, which I think in concept, guys, I actually like it. I actually like the changes to the playoffs, even though last year or whenever those were announced, I immediately said, no, I hate this. I don't like this idea at all. But much like the, the wild card changes in baseball a few years ago, experiencing it one time was all I needed to do to say, yeah, okay, this is actually a little bit better than what we're used to. Uh, yeah, I think it was entertaining to have it for a third day. I'm still along the lines of I kind of wish there was two games at the same time, <laughs> just so it could have turned off the Bills game and the Bucks game at some point for something else to watch. Yeah, I, I like the Monday night. I, I'd say bring it on again. You get a Sunday early, a Sunday midday, and a Sunday night game, and then a Monday night game. We're still set up for a for a Monday night game this week, although we're not going to get it, unfortunately. Exactly. So lots of uh, funny observations from opening weekend of the playoffs. I think the least surprising thing to me was the ending of the Cowboys Niners game. Having watched a lot of Mike McCarthy coach teams over the years as a Packer fan <laughs> to see a talented team lose in a very disappointing fashion and not even get a chance to to win on the final play like that that made sense to me. That actually was like the thing that was like, yeah, not not, not surprised by that decision like one of those things that could happen to pretty much only a Mike McCarthy coach team. So that is behind us now. But we are here today not to talk about the playoffs. We're here to talk about 2022 fantasy football rankings. Never too early to get a start on the upcoming season. Never too early. Jake released his rankings at midnight Eastern Tuesday morning. So they've been up for a few hours now. Fire away with questions if you're watching us live. But uh, Jake, this is, uh, this is an exciting time of year because I feel like there's there's an edge. Like if you want to get into early, early drafts for the upcoming season, there's always a little bit of an edge, maybe less in football than there is in baseball because rookies like shake things up a ton. Team changes are hugely impactful, but this is a, this is a great time of year. It's just, it's more so the fun. It's like, we just don't want the fun to end. And they just want to start already talking about it. And people, there's somebody like, oh, where's your flex rankings? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing super, I'm not doing flex rankings. Like position by position, we'll get to that after the draft. Because actually, I will say this, if you can, you know, whether or not you play dynasty or keepers and you have offseason drafts, mostly for dynasty, I I still would not ever draft before the NFL draft. I would always wait till that. There's just because you mentioned it, free agency is going to change so much. And then you have the draft on top of it. And yeah, we can try and call our shots and try to predict and be like, haha, I got supreme value because he ended up here. But more often than not, it's such a guessing game. And that what you're going to just get sidelined with it, just losing complete value out the window of some players. I would just wait. I know people want to jump on board and that's why we do these rankings. But yes, I personally would never draft until after the NFL draft was over. Completely concur. I mean, I don't know what the point would be of that. I mean, so much is about, about landing spots for these guys and ripple effects it has for all the veterans, uh, you know, for those teams. So yeah, it doesn't make sense at all to me. I want to throw some rankings up on the screen. They're scrolling by if you're watching us on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast, well, thank you for doing that. You should sign up for a subscription to actually read the rankings in full. Theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod gets you 33% off. Uh, Jake, I think two weeks ago, Brandon Marion Lee, Chris Vaccaro, and Nando were talking about their, their top 12s. Nando didn't share his top 12 for some reason. I'm still trying to figure out why, but Brandon and Chris <laughs> went through the exercise. They were doing it from a, a full PPR perspective, of course, because Vicaro plays in the NFFC, and that's a full PPR format. Our conversation today assumes half PPR, so I'm throwing that out there right now. It's the 
automatic disclaimer for this pod. Unless we're talking about DraftKings or NFFC, we're talking half PPR. The question I think everyone wants to start with in any given year is when you look at the very top of the board, you start with your running backs. Jonathan Taylor is kind of a consensus 1-1 in the early rankings that I've seen. You've got Taylor, you've got Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey as the big three. Where do you start to think about a wide receiver? Where do you feel like there's a break in the elite running backs where you'd be comfortable making that switch over to one of the first receivers, Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams, some of your elite receivers? Even Justin Jefferson. Look, I, I, I know people always want to take him in the top half of the first round, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, honestly, as soon as you get to Christian McCaffrey, I mean, Christian McCaffrey at number three is high for a lot of people. And people are like, ah, no, I just, I'm not going to do it again. And I mentioned in the article the fact that out of the healthy games, and granted, healthy games – 20-plus points in four to the five, and then double digits in the teens in the th- in the fifth one. The guy was averaging over almost 20 points a game in the five healthy games. So that's the upside. And you could have a first-round pick go out the window. We had first-round picks not hit this year, besides Christian McCaffrey. So that's where I was like, I'm going to get the running back because if you're at the top half of the first draft, by the time you pick again, the running backs are just going to be slim. They're going to be even worse. And I'd rather take, even if it's not Christian McCaffrey, I'd rather take Dalvin Cook and then come back around in the second round where the wide receivers that's still there, no, it's not Jefferson or Cup or Adams, but that's where Jefferson was going last year, and next year it'll probably be maybe Tyreek Hill coming off a down year and the inconsistency there, or A.J. Brown or Deontay Johnson with the new quarterback. So you can still get guys who finish as top five in the second round, and that's why I'll do it. So I don't ever think about a wide receiver, and usually until I get about, I mean, if you want to just talk about my running backs, I would take everybody down to, I mean, you can make a case for Najee Harris and Joe Mixon at seven or eight. Najee Harris is obviously depending on, I mean, if they're going Mason Rudolph, we're dropping Najee Harris down the rankings. Like, that's even worse than Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think they're being truthful about that. But I think right around seven or eight is I go that many running backs usually before I think wide receiver. How about you, Brandon? Uh, Cooper Cup might be the exception. I mean, the fact that he went a whole season with only one game under 92 yards, that, um, and that if you watch Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, you know, Arizona, he did nothing for most of the game. And then. Boom, there's the 16-yard catch. Still manages to get into the end zone even before that. Like, There's such a high uh, floor with him, and I don't know what changes next year with that. I don't know how he's not a monster once again of consistency and of you know being a very, very top fantasy wide receiver. So for me, I might even entertain Cooper Cup as a as a top three pick overall. I don't I don't know if his his situ- situation is going to change any more than Jonathan Taylor's. I think with the Rams, I mean the, the only thing that could be somewhat different is just the possible run pass balance, maybe because of Cam Akers being healthy. I mean that's the I don't think that impacts Cooper Cup though. You're not taking targets away from Cooper Cup because you're running the ball more. So it does seem like there's a lot of continuity there. Uh, even just as far as other Everybody's other receivers, Robert Woods is coming back too. Yeah, but all, all, all the other changes in that group of pass catchers didn't seem to change Cup's value that much over the course of the season, did it? Like, did you notice any clear differences with or without Woods or once Beckham came on board? Every single year, we talk about well, it should be Adams this year, and it should be. And it's every single year, it's ninety ninety five percent of the time, it's a different number one wide receiver. So that's my point. It's like are we guaranteeing that cup is definitely the number one again next year? Like that just doesn't happen. Even with Adams, it doesn't happen. I know, happen. but when you're drafting Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to be disappointed if he ends up as a third running back, as opposed to the number one running back. I mean, you no, might be wildly that's, disappointed. That's, 
And that's actually. But I but think that's, that's with my Cup. Point. I think with Cup, you're looking at like a you know, if he doesn't get hurt, he's probably a top three wide receiver. Even you know, even if he doesn't have all the breaks this year, I think it, it, that's what I'm saying about his floor. I just think it's high enough that you know, if he doesn't get hurt, it's going to be you know, it's going to be a nice return regardless. So. If Devontae Adams has a crazy year and still ends up ahead of him, I'd be willing to live with that. No, it's not. See, that's you're, no, no, you're missing what I'm saying. So I'm like, I agree with your point, but my that's why I'm making point because if Devontae Adams goes from 2020 to 2021, Adams, which is almost three points per game drop, that's why I don't want him. I don't want him there. I don't want the three. I don't want 18 points per game, Devontae Adams. I want the same Cooper Cup. So where you're saying if he finishes wide receiver three, you're fine with that. I'm not. It's the same argument I always make with Travis Kelsey. If you're going to tell me that Travis Kelsey is going to blow away the tight end position by three points per game, yes, I will take him in the first round. But the problem is if he doesn't do that, then I'm not taking him there. So unless Cooper Cup, and this is why, like if if Cooper Cup does repeat, you're 100% right. If Cooper Cup repeats and averages three more points per game than the next closest wide receiver at Devontae Adams, then 100%. You could argue he could be the third pick off the board. I mean that that's but really how, do you, how do you but we're arguing against Christian McCaffrey who has two lost seasons in a row. I mean they're basically they're nice. It's nice when he played, but it was basically two complete bust seasons because of the injuries. And well, just say that's you start if you want to, to get go in, down the injury route. Yeah, I mean once you're you're mid twenties running back and you get into that injury vortex, like you you have to I mean it's not everybody gets out of that. So I I'm I don't know. I just I, I think Cooper Cup for me is top three and and i'll and i agree with you everything with all the other receivers and all the other running backs i agree it's kind of you're getting down that Najee harris range before you're thinking about Devonte, before you're thinking about stefan diggs and justin jefferson and those guys but i think cup kind of separated himself from that group all i can think about when i see any set of fantasy football rankings is my frustration that more leagues don't go to the super flex because i just think it provides so much more balance and gives you more paths to build i feel like there's there's one logical path to build a team in a single quarterback league. And then everything else can anything else can work because of chaos, but there's just one smart path through the board, especially at the very top. Like it, and Superflex is still not popular, right? I mean, Jake, I think you look at the numbers like every year. It's still what less than 10% of leagues. Yeah, still. That's awful. Like that just <laughs> Okay, just like me with the the expanded playoffs, try it. Do it for one year. It will not. Re- you you'll keep it forever if you try it. And even if you don't, guess what? You've got more years of single quarterback fantasy football ahead of you. Because more likely than not, twenty twenty two won't be your last year ever playing fantasy football. That's the same as do auction. Do, do auction. Realize how good it is, and then. But that's the thing. It's like you still can't get everybody to do auction, let alone auction, and then super flex on top of everything. <laughs> I mean, if you can't switch to auction because everyone thinks it's too complicated and numbers are hard, you can at least get the super flex in and do a snake draft. I will, I will accept that as a compromise yeah. <laughs> with the people. The uh, Jiggles weighs in, Wisconsin sweater. Yeah, I had to represent. I had to be filling in for Beller. One of the requirements is to wear some kind of Wisconsin attire. Uh, also, you know, a salute to Jonathan Taylor as the, the green block uh, <laughs> at the 1-1 position in the rankings, too. I think that was... Part of the inspiration. Also, it's also a very warm sweatshirt, as you can imagine. Got to make them extra warm uh, where I come from. Other players, though, near the top of the board at the running back position that I think are, are pretty interesting. You mentioned Najee Harris. The the, the uncertainty just to, at the quarterback position in Pittsburgh. I, they can't go Mason Rudolph. 
even if we don't know what the plan is going to be for a little while yet, I think the way they used him in 2021 is a pretty good indication that he's a firm first rounder, no questions asked going into 2022. Who do you like as a fit in that offense at quarterback? What's the most realistic thing you could see happening for the Steelers, Brandon, that would get you even more excited about Harris because it just elevates the offense to the highest possible level? The dream scenario. Dream scenario. I mean, everybody's dream scenario is Deshaun Watson, really. I mean, that's. Um, I mean, he's a he's the one game changing quarterback that's sitting out there. There's, you know, is Carson Wentz going to be available? But I don't know what Indy would do. Indy's talking tough, like we're not sure about Carson Wentz. But man, what's the what's the flip side? What's your other options? Like, um, you know, a Tyler Huntley. I'm, t- you know, you're, you're starting to think about these guys that are that that should be that are backups that should be starters i mean tyler huntley probably comes to the top of the list does jimmy garoppolo san francisco move on i don't think so i mean they're winning in the playoffs and trey lance is uh you know raw i just don't know what the other options are i don't have a dream scenario because i don't think it's realistic i don't think russell wilson's leaving seattle i don't think that aaron Rodgers is leaving green bay so to me it's like there's deshaun watson is one chip that lands somewhere and and you know in terms of on-field product it's a dream scenario for everybody else it's the Gardner Minshew's you know and what's your upside with with guys like that so I don't think we're going to see this huge carousel of top level quarterbacks changing places I think Garoppolo could happen do you I don't know I mean to me Garoppolo's winning games right now with a with a bad thumb and like they're probably they probably have another two-year window with him. No, now you got the you get the best potential trade return you could have found. You just upped it. As everybody joked Adam Sheffer for and thought that like he opened his account to the agent letting him tweet. And the fact that Garoppolo has not only improved the 49ers, but his trade value for the team and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, way to be his stand for his like, agent or whatever. But that's true. Like now is the time to cap and get out of it. Like like you move on, you draft a Trey Lance for your future and you've hit the cap value you could potentially return. So I could see Garoppolo, you know, I thought you went right where I've been saying all year long. Funston knows this. I've been saying it since day one that Watson to Pittsburgh makes the most sense because you have an organization where the fans would be behind it. You have one of the head coaches who I continue to say time and time and time and time again, that could handle that and look what he did with Antonio Brown for all those years. And you have in that situation there. So, that makes a lot of sense, but I still yeah, – also, what if Flores ends up being the coach in Houston, and Houston is now – you know, the legal stuff gets worked out, and it, he just stays. So that's a – I think Garoppolo or the only one would be like maybe if the Saints don't bring back Winston. And people forget yeah. that Jameis Winston was playing pretty damn well before he got hurt. He had one really bad game, and that's – outside of that, he was playing better – like actually a little bit better Jameis Winston version. Well, I think what it comes down to is the bar The bar right now, as far as how the offense looks and how much the ceiling changes for Harris, is beating the right. 2021 version of Roethlisberger. And it doesn't take much to do that. Or just, just a guy that looked like a someone that should have been retired two or three years ago. He looked, looked terrible out there consistently. And that was with good weapons. I mean, that it's not, it's not a... Go get Matt Ryan. Yeah, it's it's like that. I mean, there's also there's option there's a few random options like that that are even though they're not the dream scenario, they might actually be enough of an upgrade to push Harris even into like top three running back status by the end of 2022. Like it could play out that way because the usage is ridiculous, and seeing what Taylor has done with a 
subpar quarterback situation. I'm not trying to start a fight about Carson Wentz on this pod, but like, look what Jonathan Taylor did with freaking Carson Wentz running that offense. That You don't need elite quarterback play for a running back to creep up into that top, top tier. Slightly better offensive line would help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say they have elite. They have an elite offensive line. The Colts do. So that was that was the main difference. One one thing I wanted to bring up, Jake, is Javante Williams is nine. Um, that has to be due to kind of the unknown of the quarterback situation. Like if they were to upgrade their quarterback at all from Teddy Bridgewater, if it was felt like an upgrade, I, I'm inclined to put Javante Williams in, inside my top five, and that's assuming Melvin Gordon's gone. Yeah, I don't think I'll. I, I wouldn't go that high, no matter who the quarterback was. It's just because I, I love Javante Williams, but at the same time, I, there's nothing here telling me the Broncos definitively won't bring in somebody else to be Melvin. Now, I'm not saying the amount of Melvin Gordon fifty fifty, but just how many backfields don't skew you? Uh, you oh no, you didn't edit this time. Nando did. Said, do you guys want to guess? I, I dropped it down to two forty five to get two more running backs. Total total touches, not rush attempts. Do you want to know how many running backs this year had 245 or more touches? Take a guess. It was a pretty bad, was a pretty bad injury year. Um, I'm going to say 11. Yeah, I was going to say 10, so we're kind of in the same uh, so, mindset. Well, 11 would have been 250. It was 13 to get to 245 because Leonard Fournette snuck in there with his injury. And then I think, I forget there was one other person. It might have even been Melvin Gordon. Somebody else got in there, snuck in there with like 247. But that's the point is like there, there's just not that many bell cow running backs. And I mentioned that the reason I have Cam Akers at 12 and not inside the top 10 is because I think that you're looking at some of these teams and like McVay is not stupid and understands that, you know what, maybe giving a running back 90% of the touches is just more and more chances to get hurt. It's just more opportunity. Every time you touch the ball is another chance to get hurt. So I'm with, you know, I love Javante Williams. I just, there's, I don't believe the Broncos are just going to go unleash him for 90% of the touches next year. I would take seventy percent, and it'd still probably put me in the top five. But again, it's, it has to do with the environment around over him Eckler, as well. and, over Harris, uh, maybe over Harris. Harris, I mean, if Harris has a worse situation, if it's Mason Rudolph, or if they have like someone that's on level with Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, I might go over over Harris. Mixon. Mixon was number three this year overall. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird year. It was there was a lot of there was a lot of injuries, and and like if you played sixteen, seventeen games. You were you were probably in the top ten for yeah, sure. Mixon was, no, he was also number four in points per game. Eckler was number three. What do you guys think is going to happen in Cleveland? It just feels like they need to make at least a few changes. Like the the one thing that I could feel is, is somewhat certain is Nick Chubb is going to be there with a prominent role, and maybe he shares less. Maybe there's a chance we get Nick Chubb as the full on focal point of the Browns' offense in 2022. Am I am I out of my mind, or is this actually a realistic possibility, Jake? Uh, no, I, th- I actually think that the Browns are stuck with, not stuck with, stuck with their plan. Like, Kareem Hunt back, so Kareem Hunt healthy. I, I don't think they're going to go away. This is one that I would say is definitively similar to the Broncos situation, but we know what we're going to expect. I think Browns are settled in with, this is our split. We're n- we're going to use two running backs to a degree, 70-30 at best at split, but Chubb just doesn't get a ton of use in the passing game. I think their biggest question for next year is what to do about the passing game and you know we could say healthy baker mayfield but they gotta do donovan peoples jones and jarvis landry can't be your one and two yeah i mean look at if cream hunt's there he's probably a just on like if you're just doing a straight up let's just draft 
guys to be featured running backs in the NFL, I'm taking Kareem Hunt in the, probably the top 15, at least the top 20. So you're not going to just let that guy sit on the on the bench and you know put a bunch of mileage on Nick Chubb because you don't get that much of a drop off when you have Kareem Hunt out there. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating because I just think if you if you treated Nick Chubb the way the Titans treated Derrick Henry, you'd get a similar result. Maybe not an equal result, but I think he could do a ton of damage with that increased role if it ever came together for one reason or another. But it does feel like they're they're stuck with Baker for another year. And as we've seen, there are worse situations than a healthy Baker at least might be good enough to get them back where they want to be. Uh, Browns fans are angry and throwing things at their at their devices right now. But let's get to a few wide receivers. I thought the the Jalen Waddle blurb in the rankings piece, Jake, I thought that was pretty interesting because when I watched the Dolphins, especially later in the year, so much was built for Waddle. Like they want him to be the key piece in that offense. I think it was that crappy Saints Monday night game where it was like, just look at the usage. Look at where he's lining up. He's he's everywhere, everywhere possible to get the ball in every kind of scenario. Even if Tua is only what we've seen when he's been healthy so far, a full season of Jalen Waddle is really interesting. You had him at 11. What's the ceiling with Waddle if they don't change uh, anything else with the offense going into this season? I think Waddle's ceiling is he could be top 10. Uh, like, What is Will Fuller at this point? Is Will Fuller even playing football anymore? And that seemed to be super low on Devontae Parker, but I'm done trying to figure out Devontae Parker can even play half of his season at this point. <laughs> I think they'll try and find... I think the answer of Will Fuller will be whether or not they look for wide receiver help. But as you mentioned, even if it's Tua again next year, this is Waddle's first year. And the blurb uh, for everybody out there that DVR is referring to is the fact that he was wide receiver 14 overall and actually up to 11 in points per game from week nine. So basically the second half of the season through the end of the season. And that's so he was a wide receiver one in points per game for the second half of the season. And he's just the focal point of this offense. So you say the ceiling, I think you're looking at, my last this year, so last preseason going into this year, you guys knew that like Deontay, that Deontay Johnson was my guy. Like that's Waddle next year. Deontay Johnson, that top ten volume, volume, volume every single week with a potential touchdown and a big play every single week. And honestly, the touchdowns could even be better. It should be better next year. So I I, I liken him to like a Deontay Johnson breakout year too. Yeah, it's easy to. It's easy to, uh, you know, get completions to him. And there's sometimes in some games you just watch Tua and he's just, he only has eyes for him, you know, and you can, you can put him anywhere on the field. He makes catches anywhere on the field. I was really impressed. I'm, I think, you know, being a wide receiver one Here's the is, interesting is a question. slam dunk for him. Yeah. Does Devontae Smith get the Heisman if Jalen Waddle doesn't get hurt? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. That is a good one. See? <laughs> See, yeah, people, people forgot about that already. Seemingly forget that this guy was amazing. First world, first world Alabama questions, you know? <laughs> Alabama problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. they just produce two number one wide receivers every year. <laughs> exactly, absolutely absurd. <laughs> they have two more in this year's draft. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a factory to uh, to say the least. I mean the the thing about the wide receiver position is like you can really choose your own adventure. You can get some post-hype sleepers you can get some guys that are possible like top of the position types i mean like the the different ways you can build your group of receivers i think is really exciting uh, the, the arizona offense once they lost deandre hopkins and realized kyler murray hurt his ankle too totally different offense they just weren't yeah. the same they weren't the same unit at all without him we're getting to that point though where assuming a bounce back from deandre hopkins is just dangerous like it's kind of like funston was saying with the running backs a little bit earlier you get to a certain point in your career and these nagging injuries that start to pile up 
they they just don't really ever get back to 100%. Are we are we at that point with Hopkins now where we're looking at him and saying, "Hey, no guarantees. Like he's he's fine on a per game basis when he's out there, but he might not be that that 18 to 20 point player ever again." That's more of a full PPR number, so more of like a 15 to 17 point guy. Like he's clearly in that group of older wide receiver twos as opposed to an underdrafted wide receiver one. Like, where do you stand on Hopkins, Funston? Um, well, I got, where, where did Jake rank him? Where do you have him, Jake? It's got him at 13. That's about where I'm at. That's about where he was at, you know, before he even got hurt. And it was he's kind of gotten to the point where, see, I'm, I'm mixed on Arizona and Kyler Murray. Uh, like, he, you know, he does well in fantasy in real life. I don't think he's a, a great you know, distributor of of the football on you know within a scheme on time within routes. A lot of stuff is you know scramble off script, and DeAndre actually does okay with that. But like, I think he's he is done being a top five wide receiver in this offense. Um, kind of at the point he is in his career, and with the quarterback that he's tied with. Frankly, I mean, I am not the biggest Kyler Murray fan when it comes to throwing the football, so. But I, I'm fine with him at wide receiver 13 because I, I can't remember where he was at before he got hurt. But that seems about about where he was at, and I can see. I you know I don't think he's got to the career cliff yet in terms of age. I think he still has some good football to play. I just don't know if I love him in Arizona. Yeah, he was in the teens before the injury yeah. already, even at a points per game basis. So I feel like we talk about tight ends. I know we're not talking about tight ends yet, or maybe even today, but the tight ends, that, that group after you get outside the big names, like the guaranteed locked ends, I feel like next year, just looking and pretty much starting with Hopkins at 13, it's like 13 through 22, three, four, somewhere around there. It's like, I just feel like I'm going to be out on the draft. Like that's why I will, everybody knows I'm going to get a running back, but also get one, one wide receiver early and then come back to running back while everybody's taking those teens wide receivers. I just feel like those teens wide receivers are now like the new, what was it? The mid round running backs, the fifth round running backs, the, where the death, what do they call it? Whatever the death drop or whatever <laughs> it is that round, like where it is the dead zone or whatever. So I feel like that's where we're getting. And it's not a dead zone. I just feel like there's a lot of landmines in there for what you have to pay. And that that's usually where you get the guys that, okay, you took them at the end of the second round, early third round, and they brought you back sixth round value. And I feel like it's like almost a 50-50 shot in that range where what's the difference in that 50-50 shot when you get down to the next group in the 20s of the Amon Ross St. Browns, Elijah Moores, the Beckhams, and stuff like that. It's almost the same group, honestly, just with a little more risk. You know, the, I, really quickly, I, the one guy that I'm most conflicted about, I think, within that, like, DeAndre Hopkins to the top 20 level is CeeDee Lamb because I look at the guy and I think, you know, in the slot, I'm at 14. he should be like a Cooper Cup where you can just complete a pass to him whenever you want. But then, you know, I think almost every time I watched him, he had a bad drop. I think he suffers concentration lapses. I don't know why Dak and him didn't have better chemistry. You look at the final eight games, including the, the playoff game, he didn't catch a touchdown. He had one game above 66 yards, and he was mostly meh the rest of the way. I don't know how a guy that talented ends up, you know, having that stretch of games where he just does completely nothing. I kind of lucked out with CeeDee Lamb in 2021. There was always someone in the room who liked him more, whether that was an auction situation <laughs> or a snake draft. It just it didn't work out. Like I didn't, I didn't have any reservations about him. I thought he was going to be the number one in a high-octane offense. And the way his season ended is just bizarre. I mean, you look at his game log and you're like, what the hell? What happened to CeeDee Lamb? So I think he's a, a bit of a tough player. And I, I mean, I agree with this general, uh, this general 
concept here, Jake, where you look at this group of players, it's Hopkins, it's Lamb, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, T. Higgins, Tyler Lockett, among the names that kind of fall into this range. You can look at these players and for varying reasons just say, I'm out at that <laughs> price. Like Maybe right. in an auction it's totally different because dollar for dollar it ends up being fair value, but in a snake draft scenario when you're looking at maybe your tight end four or a, an early quarterback that fell or a good running back, whatever it is that you're looking at instead, all of those things might be more interesting to me. And I think that's the problem I have. It's part of the reason why I think making rankings is is difficult because it's hard to, you can make tiered rankings, but even if you tier them, I don't think you can necessarily put enough like spin, enough color on the rankings to make it obvious. Like, no, here you really should go somewhere else. Go <laughs> Go over right. here. I know these guys are ranked above these guys, but there's not that much of a difference. Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I don't know why I saw as many Lions games late in the year as I did, <laughs> but he looks great. Why wasn't he playing even more earlier in the season? He wasn't rookie. a ghost early in the season. Yeah, just typical rookie stuff, I guess. And that was that's with horrible quarterback play. Well, because you, you have to remember, too, for everybody, like late late season excitement for he's not Elijah Moore. He's not a complete wide receiver. He's going he has his limitations, period. Now, as he could he grow, develop and not, you know, skirt those limitations. Sure. But at the beginning of the season, I mean, you can go and look and I even said this. He could be the Cooper Cup to Jared Goff. But I was thinking 100% that this would, like, even the late year, I wasn't calling, I was calling, like, this is, all right, let's talk 2022, he can become this Cooper Cup. And still not Cooper Cup, let's be clear on that. I don't think he's, and, and any world ever finishing <laughs> inside the top five. But it's that Cooper Cup, similar like Josh Reynolds when he came back in, it's just that sim- similar style, and that's why I don't think Josh Reynolds is probably back next year as a fit, is they need a second wide receiver. But Amara St. Brown has his limitations in the fact that, He's not too dissimilar either from like Jalen Waddell in his role of what he fills. So you need that big alpha outside wide receiver still. They don't have that. And somebody even in the rankings already can't believe you have Walmart and St. Brown down at 27. Down at 27. First of all, he's inside the top 30 for wide receivers. Second of all, according to consensus, which is very slim at this point, he's 12 over everybody else. So, but the point is, it was also without Hawkinson, without DeAndre Swift. And even when Swift came back, barely with Swift. And without probably them bringing somebody in, whether they draft a wide receiver or they sign Mike Williams or, you know, Allen Robinson or something like that. Yes, it was just a lot to do with it was a late season breakout for his talent. But two is there was just nobody else to throw to. I don't know. the Actually, I would almost guarantee the volume is not going to be like that next year. Brandon, did you put the comment in with your burner? Are you the one that uh, was was on? <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown being <laughs> no, too No, I wasn't. But look, one thing I'll say about Amon Ross St. Brown to watch out for, and I think you know it's a copycat league, and what did we see this year? It was a year of this hybrid receiver, Cordero Patterson and Debo. And, and, Debo. and you look at Amon Ross St. Brown, he didn't have a carry until like the last month of the season, and then he got seven carries in like the final four games, had a touchdown run. I think you're going to see the guys that are capable of doing it being asked to be a, more of a utility knife, kind of, you know, a Swiss Army knife. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown's one of those guys. So instead of getting seven carries next year, you might get like 25, you know, and, and it might become a thing. And I think you're going to see that across the league with guys that are capable of doing it. And Amon Ross St. Brown's one of them. All I could think about seeing the usage for Debo Samuel was like, this is, this is Tecmo gone wild like that's that's what it is man that's that's what 100 percent. it's like this is like getting getting a receiver into the running back spot which is illegal in <laughs> tournament play by the way you're not allowed to do that 
<laughs> Tebow, man. He'd be so fun on modern Tecmo. And I love they do make that uh, on the online. You can get updated rosters for Tecmo, by the way. If, if, this, if this thing I'm describing seems out of reach, it's actually out there if you look for it. So uh, definitely check that out. But uh, the, the Lions, like the thing about them that also surprised me was like even when they had just bad personnel, they still played hard. They're one of those teams that as they improve, as the talent gets better, the, the game scripts might not be high volume game scripts for the passing game. They might keep playing a lot of the grinded out sort of close games. So the the production tree might be a little more narrow, like in in the future too. I think Jake's point with Hawkinson and Swift both being healthy, that's going to change things. They they have to add someone yeah. to the outside. There's no way they go into the 2022 season with this. Yeah, being if their you think about start, DeAndre so. Swift and Hawkinson <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and St. Brown, that's a lot of short area targets, and you know something's going to give there in terms of their volume, for sure. Yeah, so I think 27 seems appropriate, even though the finish was really great to uh, his rookie season. Uh, going back up toward the top of the wide receiver list here, just for a minute. Jamar Chase at four. I love it. I felt like every week, I didn't have him in season-long leagues. Uh, just It wasn't even like the CeeDee Lamb situation. I just didn't I didn't think it was going to happen so quickly. So I I walked away, regretted it. Regretted not playing him more in DFS, too. That's why I didn't win any big prizes this year in DFS. But anyway, Jamar Chase, ceiling. Wide receiver one doesn't seem out of the question. Like it, it's in, It's in a sort of different way because of the other options in that passing game, right? He has to do it with a slightly lower volume than the Cooper cup just did it with, but it's not out of the question to see Jamar chase as the best receiver in fantasy next season. Is it? No, but I think it would come down to touchdowns, honestly, because of what you just said is the three names in front of him, Jefferson Adams and cup. You're talking about ridiculous, envious target shares. And as you mentioned, you know, Jefferson, even when Thielen was out there and Adams with the rest and Cup, even after they added Odell Beckham, doesn't deal with what Chase deals with, with Higgins and Boyd. And then, you know, even you could go look at the Rams, Packers and Vikings and the Vikings have the running back, but they don't have the third receiving option. And then you go to the Packers and yeah, they have a running back again. They don't even have a second receiving option. They rely on consistently. So like his situation is kind of anomalous uh, really uh, unless you consider again like acres now being in the fold for the rams might kind of make it a little bit similar but that's all it comes down to so if chase was number one i think it would be because he scored 14 or 15 touchdowns like you know aj green back in the day could happen yeah nothing to add there he certainly has has the ceiling but it's probably you know a little bit touchdown dependent um but straight up talent good lord put him up there with anybody brendan i'll throw you on the spot here just for a second as you looked at the first run of these wide receiver rankings just somewhere within the first 20 or 25 was there someone that came out uh, a lot lower than you expected that's a good question uh not really and maybe justified too not like a hey let's roast jake sort of thing but more <laughs> of a oh holy crap this guy actually does belong down here i, I thought he'd be just in, in your initial thoughts in your own head you're like oh i thought he'd be a top 10 guy but he's not even He's barely in the top Yeah, 20. the guys that lower, I guess Tyreek Hill at seven, but man, when you start to look at this is what I was just thinking when you guys were talking about Jamar Chase at four. I was looking down, and I was like, man, we're in a, we're going into next year, Tyreek Hill being number seven. But it's really like I think you can take, you know, from Justin Jefferson to Tyreek Hill and kind of shuffle the deck, and you're kind of fine with any one of those. I think Cup and Adams 
you know, assuming there's no changes in Green Bay, it's business as usual. I think those guys are the slam dunk one too. But after that, you can go all the way down to Tyreek Hill, and I think you're you're good shuffling the deck. But it's weird. It's just weird kind of seeing Tyreek Hill at number seven. I don't really have any issues in the top twenty though. Like, I think Calvin Ridley is a weird one. It's going to be weird to know. It's a who knows, and it's also like uh, like after what happened this year, are you going to commit to him for next year? If he goes into the year saying I'm I'm ready to go, you're still going to have in the back of your head like is at some point in the year he's not going to be ready to go, you know? And then so that will be he'll be a tough one to kind of um, you know lay your chips on next year. Yeah, understandable. I mean, the the last thing I saw was a report just a few days ago that Ridley hasn't even contacted the front office about his plans for 2022 yet, so. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Ridley at 20 and Michael Thomas at 25, and we really have no idea where these guys are. Like, you know, with what they're thinking right now, what their state of mind is. <laughs> I would almost be, if you told me, like, I had to only pick one and bet my 2022 future on him, I would say Michael Thomas at this point. Yeah, yeah and that one... That was weird too, because there was that November report that he might need another ankle surgery. Like it, it's a highly unusual situation with Michael Thomas as well. And I, total shrug emoji for me as far as what I would do right now. Like I, I <laughs> would want more information and would willingly let someone else get a discount, right? And who's the quarterback? <laughs> right, that question too. Is yeah. he staying with the Saints when he comes back. It, it's that. I mean, the relationship with Sean Payton doesn't exactly seem like a good one. So there's that. The you know the exercise is you rank these guys um, to where they you know if everything goes according to plan this is where you see them ending up. But I, I always say like there's always going to be someone close in value that I feel better about. So you, sorry, um, I'm just saying I'm, I'm not taking Ridley or Thomas at 25. But if they drop to 30 or something, that's where I'm. <laughs> Oh, so no, that's why I have Thomas at, at 25 because Thomas still could be a top 10 wide receiver. And right after that, now we're talking second year wide receivers. Beckham, is he back with the Rams or somewhere else? And Robert Woods, even if he's back with the Rams, Robert Woods is back. Amari Cooper, never trust. Thielen at this point of his career. So that's exactly what you said. The exercise in, I would take Michael Thomas over every single person behind him at this point. <laughs> totally fair, I think. Yeah. And Ridley's assuming he's back for week one. I would still take, like, I love what Renfro yeah. did this year. But McLaurin, and I have Heineke as their quarterback for next year, so I would take Ridley over McLaurin if Ridley is playing week one. I would take Ridley over. And I was the Brandon Cooks guy. Now I'm the low one on Brandon Cooks. Like, what, it's like again, it's that, that one is because that quarterback situation, we don't know what they're dealing with. Although I think I mentioned this for the quarterbacks. Davis Mills could be a sneaky quarterback next year for Superflex. I think people are just discounting what he did late in the year. I think – it was ugly sometimes. Well, I, I just think there's this entire rookie class across all sports that's a bit more of a mystery box because of the weirdness of the 2020 college seasons, right? I mean, the, just a total mess right. across the board. So we're going to have these guys that, that, that pop up. And I think Davis Mills was a, a big prospect out of high school. People weren't as excited about him coming out of Stanford as they were when he went he there. Was supposed to, he, yeah, he was supposed to replace Andrew Luck as the next yeah, big thing. Yeah, so it, it's not like... It, like if you go further back, it's not as much of a surprise. So they they might have their next quarterback there. I don't think that's totally far fetched. But I think we are going to have like random pop up players like next year from this class. Even the year after that, we're going to see it in other sports as well. Let's get to the tight ends for just a few minutes. You got Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Darren Waller, and then Gronk as the, the top six right now. Jake Pitts. I, I think people had just ridiculous expectations for him, and you know what? He met them. 
the TDs weren't there. But like, what, yeah. what more could you want, especially with the Ridley situation making him such the focal point of the offense that teams could scheme a lot more and try and, and slow him down? I mean, I I think the question is, where do we go from here you know, with you know, quarterback situation with Matt Ryan with the offense as a whole it's one of those teams that seems very much like caught in the middle without a real bright future but Kyle Pitts seems like he is going to make an impact regardless of what this team looks like next season yeah if you took away the touchdowns and I told anybody at the beginning of the year you're gonna get 68 1026 for receiving from Kyle Pitts people would have been taking him in the third round with George Kittle that's the truth and the fact that it's like 68 for 1026 and nobody wants to do because math is hard 15.1 yards per reception for a tight freaking end like seriously like he had one of the best rookie tight end seasons of all tight ends and yes calling him a tight end is kind of (laughs) Not fair in what we're going to classify him is because, you know, Jeremy Shockey on that list is a true tight end. You know, you go back to Dick, a true tight end, who, by the way, in what, 12 games? Is that That's record? an absurd, That's an insane, that's right? absurd like, even, season. If some, somebody breaks his yards, that one's going to be like, it doesn't count anyway because he did it in 12 games. <laughs> like, but so Kyle Pitts is, that's what he is, though. He's like a wide receiver, tight end, hybrid situation. And you told me next year that I'm going to guarantee you 70 receptions and 1,100 yards. So just a slight uptick. There is no way anybody out there would say he's only catching one touchdown again. Like, that's just going to come around. It's the regression of football. And whether it's Matt Ryan or not, everybody crapped on Julio Jones for that three-touchdown season. He averaged six touchdowns per season outside of that one year. Actually, even if you factor that in, he still averages six per touch, six touchdowns per season. You give him five more touchdowns, Kyle Pitts, he's the number three tight end. So you just give me a slight uptick in the receiving departments and just three or four more touchdowns, and he's the number three tight end. I'm taking him in front of Kittle with Trey Lance. Are we going to go into next year finally saying that, hey, the tight end position isn't such a wasteland? I mean, when you got... No, I actually said that in the article. No, no, we've said this every single no, year. We it is always a wasteland. No, we haven't said. We haven't yes, been like everybody's been saying it's deeper than ever. On the tight ends. I haven't feel like we've been gushing out of tight ends the last couple of years. But you're crazy. Every I even put this in here. Every single year, everybody wants to claim it's quote unquote deeper than well, ever. Every single year, and then we get to like week seven, and then people are like, "Oh wait, no, Titans still sucks." I, I, I'm a big Dallas Goddard guy, and he's all the way at number eight. So like, and I I agree. I, you were a big Dallas Goddard guy yeah, last and year. Dallas Goddard's good, <laughs> and, uh, and I have no problem with that. Like, but I, I'm like, those are eight really good tight ends to Dallas Goddard, and then you got Fryermuth and Dawson Knox and Mike Gusecki, and that's a that's a decent group. Like Dawson Knox as a fallback as your first tight end is not the worst case scenario in the world until he's not next year because tight ends fall off. <laughs> you remember everybody wanted Robert Tanyan this year? He got hurt, man. It was yeah, it's the problem. He was doing nothing before he got hurt. He wasn't that like two B sort of option uh, no. that I thought he could be, right? I mean, the the target efficiency low, was low catch, high touchdowns are, are are the guys that you steer clear of for sure. Yeah, well, I just thought there could be more volume because they did so little to address the wide receiver position. But I'll save that gripe for my Packers <laughs> podcast that I host for my friends. The, um, the tight end position, I I think it's fine. Like I, I I don't think it's deeper than ever. I think there's a few ways you can play it. I think I'm still I'm still confident enough in Kittle, even with Lance, to where I, I think if we're talking about him as what a third rounder, like a top thirty five, top forty overall pick, Jake. Like, where do you think that where do you think that ADP is going to land once we get to August? That we're we're assuming a a Trey Lance at quarterback situation. 
For a Kittle? Yeah. Where, where does he, well, what's it going to cost? Like a early fourth rounder in a 12-teamer? Fourth, I would say later in the fourth if it's Trey Lance. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo, I could see him staying around that third or fourth because there was that brief stretch when he came back where he was back to being like the George Kittle. Uh, but yeah, I would say more fourth next year. I think he could, I, and what I'm saying is, I think it could even dip lower depending on uh, what happens if it is Trey Lance, like I'm expecting it to be. I guess the thing that's different than when Kittle was putting up massive numbers in the past with shaky quarterback situations, they have more weapons now. They have other things they can do, right? They have Debo, they have Ayuk. Like that, that's not that was not the case a few years ago when Kittle was was just destroying everything. So I don't know. Like I, I, I still think he can be in a lead of the elite tight ends. I think you're right to have him behind Pitts. I think Kittle over Waller makes sense to me too. So I have no issues with the order up top. I think Gronk at six totally makes sense based on what he just did. But thinking about how physically it just looked like his career was over a couple of years ago like i'd where, where's the trust level off. there and i, and I like yeah maybe they, and maybe not destroying your body for a little while actually gives you a second window to be a really productive nfl player in some ways but that's an unusual path and look i i get it the brady's still gonna be there uh, all the continuity in the offense yeah sure but i was the guy that always so, trusted gronk at his peak and got burned early, and now I'm finally looking at him and saying, wow, I think I think the field is higher on Gronk than I am. Even though I understand why, I think it's the it's like still a health-grade F for me, even though he held up for 12 games. Yeah, but in those 12 games, you get like tight end three and four, and I think that's the biggest thing. And to go to, to tie this into the ADP and what you were saying, Faustin, I mean, I'm looking at ADP last year. Gronk was seven, and then right after him, Fant, Bust, as I was said, that was going to happen. Thomas hurt most of the year. Henry, Higby, both meh, beyond meh. Gesicki, meh. Goddard, your boy. Cook, eh. Ertz, didn't do anything till late in the year after the trade. Jono Smith, Dawson Knox was way down there. Schultz is way down there. But that's the point. It's like we say this every single year. And I'm saying because this year, last time, this time last year, people were like, wow, look, you could get Higby as the 13th tight end. And everybody was talking about his. That's why I'm saying every single year people say it's deep. That's what I'm saying. I'm hanging in different circles as you. We have uh, <laughs> we have a more glass half empty uh, area of the country on the tight end position the last couple of years, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not really sure why Seattle can't figure that position out, but I, mean, I think a lot of the guys that people get excited about need a receiver in their offense to go down if they're going to hit their high end. I mean, Dalton Schultz. If you take a receiver away from the Cowboys, I'm really interested in Dalton Schultz. He becomes an easy top 10 tight end, but you can't assume that's going to happen. Noah Fant with a better quarterback situation. Like you can wish cast some of these guys up into the top 10. That's the story of this position every year is that once you get past the end of the second tier, which a few years ago, it was kind of like the, it was the Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, like that cluster behind the elite guys was like the the drop from like eight to 20. You could argue anybody you wanted. And I think that's still generally true maybe you draw the line after Fryermuth at nine or something like that I, I like Goddard like Funston does but is there that much of a difference between those guys and Logan Thomas with a full season of health or Hunter Henry I mean I uh, I, I, I do hate this position and uh, <laughs> of all the changes that I've made to leagues that I, I've questioned over time making leagues two tight end leagues to make them more difficult is one that I've, I've come back to a few times and said 
what am I doing to myself? Why why am I making this position harder? Or tight end premium. Oh, it's just, just the worst. worst. Sorry, sorry, Scott Fish. It's I just know, the worst. It. It's just it's, it's the worst. It's all it does is make the top great guys even greater. That's why I just wait. That's you see number twenty. Just wait and go get Brevin Jordan next year. Yeah, you're you're on Brevin Jordan. All on Brevin Jordan. I mean, he's I'm at twenty. I would take him over Evan Ingram, not knowing what's going on with him at this point. People forget, like people forget how quickly these rookies. Are you talking about? Look at Cole Komet this year. Another one. You know how many touchdowns Komet had this Two. year? <laughs> Zero. I would have guessed like four. Zero. No. So there you go. Like you could have a Cole Komet type breakout. And I think Cole Komet was still 13, 14, somewhere around there. And, but I mean, that's with zero touchdowns. And he still finished there. So Brevin Jordan for Houston. Where is Cole Komet? He was 21, but I think he was a little bit. No, he was actually, yeah, he was 21. 60 and 612, with zero touchdowns. Here's a question for you, an unranked tight end, at least up through the the top 30, possibly getting out of Cleveland. Where does David Njoku rank if he signs with the Chargers or Bengals? Imagine auto top 10. That question is from Johannes. I think that's probably just a a, a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek that he'd go that high, but but a fresh start for David Njoku. I think we've been waiting for that for two years at least now, where it's been like, let's trade David Njoku to a team that doesn't have a tight end. Let's trade David Njoku to Seattle. Let him play with Russell Wilson. Uh, if he was with Cincinnati, I'd put him alongside Noah Fant, so still barely top 15 range. Chargers could be a little bit more intriguing, definitely. for, But, you know, the, the Darnold Parham situation didn't pan out, and Jared Cook is probably done, thankfully, finally at this point. But they also drafted Trey McKitty, so, you know, that's a it could be a split situation again for them. But I think Chargers would make Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be a tight end that's just on the field all the time. He's just basically a receiving tight end, and, you know, I think – yeah, you're going to have to just worry like about Ingram. limited snaps and, and stuff like that. But I would be interested in um, the Chargers for sure. Let's talk about the quarterbacks just for a few minutes before we go. Obviously, uh, we've got months and months to dig deeper into this. We'll have rookies incorporated. We'll have more things to fight about throughout the year. Uh, but has anything changed for you, Jake, structurally at quarterback? Similar to tight end where it's like you got a couple guys that if they slide to the right spot, you're willing to pay up for Allen or Mahomes in the right circumstances. Otherwise, it drops down to a, a second tier that's a little better than the, the blob, and then you get to this blob of guys that's kind of like the Brady, Rogers, Burrow, Watson, Hurts, Prescott, like that six to eleven range. Like it to me, it looks a lot like tight end, where the, the two guys at the top and Allen and Mahomes are their own class. Herbert, Murray, and Jackson bring something else, so they're just the next group together. It's only a slight upgrade over that next cluster. It's the shape of this position, it seems like, each and every year. It, am I seeing it wrong, or is this just what it is? No, that's what it is, and that's why we keep talking about Superflex, because it's the top two, and I can't see them falling where I would take them anywhere. So the next answer is going to be everybody from Herbert down to, including Dak Prescott, as messed up as that second half of the season was for him, but also injuries and consistency in that team. But just in general, like I'm just going to take whoever falls the f- farthest, I mean, you know, you want to give me Jalen Hurts after the panic of the playoff game and, like, he's the first running quarterback to have his first playoff game be a loss and be kind of ugly. Oh, by the way, go look at some of the quarterbacks I tweeted about the other day. I'll take Jalen Hurts if everybody's going to go nuts over the fact because he's going to run. Trey Lance at 13, if he's the starting quarterback, that could arguably be too low. So that's what it comes down to. Single quarterback, just take somebody in that range. But I will say this, you got to find your point of breaking where, you know, if you have – 
like you're 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 kind of like you, if you're pick, picking like six or seven, you're dead in the middle. But if you're picking like ten or three, and you've got a long turn until your next pick, and you see there's only three quarterbacks left, and it's like Burrow, Hurts, and Prescott, that's when I probably jump in because the one thing I will say, as much as I'm willing to wait all the way down to Dak for my quarterback. I don't want to screw around with two quarterbacks like a Tannehill and a Winston next year. I don't want to do that. I've seen a lot of people do did that this year, and I don't want to be part of that mess. See, yeah. I would go to Stafford there. Twelve. I think Stafford's forty. He's forty touchdowns and and pushing five thousand yards with McVay. I mean, I would be back in. So I would I would just. But it, it's still to your point. Like I think, but I think it goes as deep as the top twelve there. Um, and that's a pretty quality. I mean, there are some pretty quality upside guys like Trey Lance and even Russell yeah, Wilson. Stafford they, was only 11th in points per game, even with that. Yeah, we played Jeez. every game, and he was five overall, and that's that's what you want with your quarterback. I mean, but I'm talking points up. per game. He was only 20, 11th in points per game. And 24 just, fantasy points per game. That was only 11th. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that's yeah. yeah how, what's your threshold on games played, though? As the like, you're throwing out 19. guys 22. that. I mean, I don't care. Most of the guys in front of him, like 17, 17, 17, 14, that's Kyler. 17, 16, Roger Sat. 15, Hurts. I mean, there's a li- literally Dak, a negligible. 16, Burrow, 16. Burrow and Prescott and Stafford are basically all the same. Their their numbers were like, their per game numbers were basically the same. I mean, there was a negligible. Yeah, but difference. I'm also going to take Burrow in his year three. Yeah. Essentially year two, 100%. It's to me. It's pretty easy to want Burrow more than Brady and Rogers, especially just based on the way their season has ended. Like it, the way Burrow's played down the stretch, the weapons he's got at his disposal. Like it's really easy to talk yourself into him as the the better of those three options. But there's very little to separate them. If 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 I get sniped because someone else gets Burrow and Brady or Rogers is there, it's like oh okay, I'm fine. Maybe I'm giving up a little ceiling, but. I'm not really losing much in terms of week-to-week expectations. I think the thing that people fail to discuss enough is if you do play the weight on a quarterback game, you have to make more decisions in season that are actually tough decisions, the matchup-based decisions week-to-week, where if you're stuck in the, right. the back end, even let's just say below Stafford, I think the example you threw out there, Jake, was that Tannehill and Winston. Like That's, that's really waiting. If you just get two guys where you don't have an every-week starter, at least at the beginning of the year, Getting what often amounts to like a coin flip sort of decision right more often than not is very difficult to do. And a big part of that, of course, is touchdown variance. Yeah, I don't want to make that decision every single week. Yeah. Just I'd rather one one fewer decision to have to make every single week would be nice. Yeah. The other thing I've always thought that was kind of fun or interesting, if you play in a league with small benches, there's a few leagues I play in that have like five or six bench spots and there's a ton of churn. But if you have an elite quarterback or if you have someone that you can start every week and maybe there's backups available, it's one less spot you're burning on a backup too. So you get to take more shots in the running back and wide receiver pool on your bench and have the, the what could go right sort of lottery ticket stashed away on your bench, which I think that just one little extra edge, one extra benefit of not going completely cheap at the quarterback position especially. All right. Totally agree. Anybody buried at quarterback that... Um, you know, you could wish cast to, to be higher, Jake. Anyone you're looking at. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, if you told me at the beginning of the year, you're like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be a top 20 quarterback going into 2022. I would have thought, hmm, wow, I wonder wonder how bad it got in Jacksonville. Oh, we saw it. Like, we saw how bad it could get. And, and Lawrence just, Lawrence didn't look didn't look right. But I don't know how much of that to put on him and how much of that to put on the chaos around him. So 
if I look at this list, he's the guy that I sort of wish cast up to a higher spot. But curious, if there's anybody that kind of fits that description for you? Yeah, it would be Lawrence. Like you saw some of the flashes towards the end of the year, where this was the excitement coming out of college, and he was, you know, one of the generational talent. All that time. he's still that. You know, a lot of it has to do with Urban Meyer, this offense, and also hurt wide receivers, de- like going down consistently. Look, he ended his year as his number one wide receiver being Laquan Treadwell. Let's let's be honest about that. Marvin Jones took a pretty significant step back until, and he finally showed up. I think it was the last week or two. Um, but yeah, he would be the one, depending on the coaching, obviously, and what they do with that offense. The other one is I don't think he's the answer for the future, and everybody knows this, and I hate this organization, and everybody knows this, but changes are coming, and if you told me one more year of Daniel Jones with offensive line help, and then Tony in year two, and something of a staff that knows what to do with this team, unlike Judge, and you know they basically threw Garrett under the bus, and and then Glennon was the quarterback, and the healthy Barkley coming back. Who's inside injuries kept saying that a healthy Barkley is more likely for 2022. I'm just saying, you could, you there. People were wanting Daniel Jones to be Josh Allen because of the running upside. If you told me a healthy Daniel Jones finishes QB 14, I wouldn't be shocked. A reasonable sort of leap, I think, at this point. Brandon, are you on Lawrence as well as the the wish cast to a higher spot? He pulls out these and on notes. Um, and yeah, he knows what the Urban Meyer impact was and just the dysfunction that uh, you know was was rampant in jacksonville i mean if someone comes in and just kind of takes control and has a level of competency um yeah i think trevor lawrence can can quickly turn things around i i was not at all you know basically damning him and and saying okay his his career is just not going to happen he was overrated I, i think there's still plenty of potential for him to be the guy that everybody thought he would be yeah, could be a, a nice leap for him. A lot of changes coming in Jacksonville. Uh, the thing I keep looking at, too, is Trey Lance, you know, at 13. Assuming he's the guy, Jimmy Garoppolo goes somewhere else. Lance, with the weapons they have in San Francisco versus Hurts in the supporting cast he has in Philly. Like If you if you look at them as kind of baseline similar players because of their rushing ability, it, it's really hard for me not to want to take Lance in that spot. Even though there, there might be even more questions about what he can do Look, as a passer awesome. at this level right now. <laughs> look, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I was kind of spaced out because I was going to look and see if you even had Jimmy Garoppolo ranked, which you don't need. No. You have to. He's going to start somewhere. <laughs> like, I mean, he, he, well, I until mean, he does, I, I, there's two teams I didn't rank a quarterback for. So, you know. I mean, Jimmy's going to be somewhere. What's the, I mean, what's okay, the worst so, case scenario? I'm, but I'm not going to rank Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance until I know where Garoppolo is. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just like Teddy Bridgewater. Is he even guaranteed back in Denver? Like, I, I don't know that he is. Again, so. this is why it's the middle of January. Go put Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> in your own ranks. <laughs> put him in QB nine. This, this pod's over. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Look, what do you what do you think though, Brandon? I mean, Lance versus Hurts. Like, it is it is it as much of a toss up and is it is in my head? Uh, yeah, I think it's apples and oranges. I mean, it's basically you're getting two guys that are, you know, iffy in the passing game that can have, you know, difference-making running ability. And I would probably – you have to give Jalen Hurts the lead here because he has more experience, and he I think he came into the league a better – I don't think he's that great of a passer. He, he came into the league in a better – you know, Terry Lance is still very raw, but he's also – his tutelage with Kyle Shanahan, I have more faith in that and that he'll make maybe more of a rapid rise than Jalen Jalen Hurts will in Philadelphia. So if I'm dynasty leaguing it, I'm going Trey Lance. 
Fair enough. Yeah, I, I just feel like I'm constantly overrating Kyle Shanahan, and I'm, I'm afraid of the, the implications of that as it pertains to Lance in particular, especially if I have to overpay to get him in drafts and auctions. Hopefully that's not the case, though, once we get into the meat of draft season, like, you know, six plus months from now. But this was fun. It's always fun to dig into early rankings, always fun to have these conversations, kind of lay the groundwork for things that we're going to do once we do get to the draft. Because like these two guys, I am not doing a football draft in January. I am thinking about what I'm going to do if I get into one maybe in April or May or, you know, some point beyond that. But we have to go. Jake is on Twitter at all in kid Brandon at Brandon Funston get Jake's rankings at the athletic at 33% off at the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod that is going to do it for this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast we're back with you next week 